Um, if you would like a Bible, uh, we, can, we, can, we can give one to you. Um, so just pop your hand up and uh, one of the stewards will, will pass one on. Um, so in those church Bibles, it's page 626, uh, Psalm 135. And after um, Martin's uh, read, uh, it will be over to Matthew to preach. Thank you. Morning. As we're as we two congregations together, there may be one or two people who can't uh, see it, but perhaps you'd like to move to see um, somebody else's uh, one over their shoulder if you want to. But we're looking at Psalm 135. Oh, thank you. Psalm 135, and that's on page 626 in the Church Bibles. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the, hall of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of men and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, O Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see, they have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, praise the Lord. O house of Aaron, praise the Lord. O house of Levi, Praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Martin. Um, good morning, everyone. Again, I'm in charge. No, no awkward questions anymore. It is really good to be here from the 4.30 to see you. Uh, it's great to see people I've never met before. That is really exciting. I hope to get to know some of you later. Um, but we're here for God's word, aren't we? So let's pray and then we'll crack on. Dear Father God, please help us now, 
Please help me in my speaking, help us all in our listening, and in our times together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right, my question for you, um, it's a rhetorical question in your head. You don't need to stick your hand up. What's your purpose in life? What is life all about? Um, It's one of those questions which, when you're younger is not really a question. It's not on your radar at all. Maybe in the middle of your life, in that purple patch from about... (laughs) Careful. 49, 57, that purple patch. You feel life is great and I'm just going on and I don't need to think about it. Then you get to that point of... Where do the numbers work? 59 and onwards into your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And at some point you get to the question, what was that all about? Or was it worth it? Um, So the question of what's my purpose and will my purpose last um, actually really matters. Uh, Can we have the first slide, please? Second slide. There's some quotes there, I won't go through them. Wise people thinking about the question of what's it about to be a human? What's it about to have something to live for? Um, And Psalm 135 tells us that there are good things to live for. In fact, there is a great God to live for. And because he is great and because he is eternal... A life lived for him is really, really worth it. Um, So I hope as we look at this today, as we go into that summer period of reflecting on our lives, enjoying ourselves, I hope for most of us enjoying ourselves, sometimes summer is not a great time, but it can often be a time to take a bit of space and just think, what's it all about? What am I here for? And one quote I will give you, which is not up there. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the same question in slightly old-fashioned language. What is the chief end of man? Man meaning men and women. What are we here for? Man's chief end, it says, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that's what Psalm 135 is trying to help us do today. Okay. Uh, Next slide, please. Um, So, for those of you who like looking at the verses and working out how they fit together, you could take notes of this. This is the structure of the psalm. There's a bit at the beginning which calls us to praise the Lord. There's a bit at the end which also calls us to praise the Lord. This is typical of a praise psalm. It says, praise the Lord. And then in the big middle chunk, it tells you why. And then it says, praise the Lord. And so the why are those two bits in the middle. The Lord, greater than all. The gods, gods, dumb and lifeless. And the comparison of those two points us to the Lord and gives our hearts and our minds reason to praise. Um, Next slide, please. Put even simpler, 
You can see my purpose is not graphic design. <laughs> That's meant to look like a sandwich or a burger or something like that. The meat of the psalm is this. Our God is greater than anything you could imagine. Anything you've ever heard about. Anything you will ever see. And if you take that truth and take that wonderful God and you turn your life into, into praising him, you end up with this food to live by. Our God is greater than anyone and anything. That is true. And if that is true, then if you devote yourself to praising him and living for him, you will have food for life. And you'll have food that lasts forever. And you'll have food that keeps you in any situation. Whether you're hungry, whether you're tired, whether you're bored of life, whether you're old and wondering when you're going to die. The Lord is food for life. Okay. That's Psalm 135. Now please don't switch off. We'll look at it in a bit more detail. So, two reasons to praise God. Our God is great and we're his. Other gods are weak and they always fail. So let's look at our God is great and we're his. Right, turn your eyes to the text, please. We're looking at verse 5 onwards. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him. In the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all their depths, he makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Right. God has power over everything. See that little word there? Whatever pleases him see the different places the lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens as high as you could get on the earth as far as you could go in the seas and all their depths right down to the bottom in any space across this world the lord does whatever pleases him there is no place you can go and you won't find god there doing as he chooses there is no situation that you can think of where god is not sufficient and god cannot act in a way which is right and just and powerful where he will not do all that is necessary and all that is good. So think about some of those big issues of life at the moment. Think about the war in Ukraine. I mentioned that last time I preached. I will probably mention it next time I preach, sadly. On and on it drags. Our God is there and sufficient for that situation. Think about people trying to have a baby, longing for a child. 
Maybe somebody longing for a friend or needing a job or facing up to a terminal illness. Our God is there and sufficient. We prayed, didn't we, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That is only worth praying if your God is there and could do what's needed. And he is our God and he is there. He has power over everything. And he has power over creation. Now, we may be getting a bit more used to the idea that things like wind and rain and sun matter. Um, A lot of us have spent a lot of our lives feeling like that's a sort of holiday thing, isn't it? Will it be sunny? Will it rain? How hot's it going to be today? Shall I wear a raincoat? Shall I wear a t-shirt? Well, things like the heat waves, um, things like places in India which have seen over 50 degrees and people dying in their flats because it's so hot, remind us that the weather is life or death. And if you're an Israelite here, And your life depended on how well your crops did. You cared very much whether the clouds came and whether the rain came and whether the sun came at the right time. So wasn't it great to know that your God is the one who made the clouds rise? That your God is the one who sent the rain? That your God is in control of the weather? you see that little word there, storehouses? It's as if God, up in the sky, I know it's a picture, but up in the sky, imagine him, he's got his, he's got a, a little shed that's just got hurricanes on the door. And he's got one that says lightning on the door, and one that says gentle rain, and another one that says downpours which flood the earth. And he goes to the storehouse and he brings out the wind and he sends it as he chooses. And he brings out the rain and he sends it down as he chooses. That's the sort of power he has. Now the Met Office and human beings don't have that sort of power. The Met Office is spending £1.2 billion, don't you know, on a supercomputer. Um, How many of us have looked at the Met Office weather forecast in the last three weeks? Go on, stick your hand up. How many of us, sort of two weeks before the heat wave came, were looking every day at the five-day forecast, desperately hoping that someone had got something wrong? It said it's going to be 35, and I'm thinking, then it went up to 37, didn't it? Then it went up to 39, and the newspapers were talking about maybe 42. And you start to get worried, (laughs) because your house is boiling in the summer anyway. It makes no difference if the Met Office spent 10 billion on a supercomputer. And it tells us what the temperature and what the sunshine and what the weather is going to be like every single day for the next 100 years. If it keeps getting hotter and the rains don't come does it? Knowledge without power is nothing. Think about lightning. 
When lightning flashes, it reaches 20,000 degrees centigrade. That's four times as hot as the sun, the surface of the sun. And one lightning bolt, if you could harness it, would power all our homes here, and in fact all the homes in Worcester Park for a whole year. Did you know that? If only we could harness lightning. But we can't. But God can. And there are three billion lightning strikes every year. Because God is active and powerful in this world. Okay. And for Israel, who had the promises from God that he would bless them with fruit and crops and sunshine and rain... This is wonderful. God is the God of creation, the God who blesses. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 5. That's our God. Okay, moving on. Verse 8 onwards. Our God has power to save as well, which is even better. It is wonderful, isn't it? He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Our God is a God who saves, and Israel knew that from their history. Israel had been 400 years in slavery. That's one of those things they told in their history books. Egypt were the superpower, the greatest nation on earth at that time. And the Lord came, and he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. It's a song, isn't there? The Israelites would have sung a song like that. So the Lord said again, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. So what did the Lord do? He sent his signs and wonders. He struck down the firstborn. He brought them out. He saved them. He then said to his people, I am going to take you and give you a land which is wonderful. This will be your land. And he took them through the desert. And they came to the edge of Canaan. And Sihon and Og, king of the Amorites, king of Bashan, they said, you're not coming through here. And God said, yes, we are. And he struck them down as well. And all the kings in Canaan who should have known better and fled, said, you're not coming here. And the Lord said, yes, I am. And he struck them down as well. God is a God who saves. God is a God who gives an inheritance to his people. And he stops everything that will get in the way of that. That's our God, power to save. That's our God, power to bless. Wasn't it great to be an Israelite? Actually, would you have rather been an Egyptian, relying on the superpower of the day, but finding out when it came, 
When it came down to it, Pharaoh would fail you. When it came down to it, if you're an Amorite, Sihon will fail you. If you're a Bashanite, Og will fail you. If you're an Israelite, you have a God, you have a king who will never let you down. He's good, he's kind, he wants to bless, he's got all the power in the world. It was great to be an Israelite. But it is, of course, even better to be a Christian. Because we've got a better saviour. And we've got a better journey. So just think about, for a moment, think about what that slavery in Egypt pointed to. Think about the sin which entangles the human race and drags it down away from God and down to the depths. And worse than that, blinds people's eyes. So actually, that's where they want to be, even though it'll end in destruction. Think of that slavery. Think of the enemies. Think of the devil prowling this earth. The Lord of the world, Jesus called him at one point. Think of death, the final enemy. Comes to us all, doesn't it? Every single one, one day. That's the slavery. Those are the enemies in this world. Um, and if we stay in that slavery, and if we yield to those enemies, then what's at the end? Eternal punishment. Destruction. Terrible. But... Jesus came, didn't he? Jesus is king, isn't he? Jesus came. Signs and wonders, verse 9, God sent into the midst of Egypt. Jesus is the sign and the wonder in the universe. God sent his power and his miracles down to Egypt. Jesus is the power of God. Come down to save. Risen now to reign. Think about the battles Jesus fought. Did he ever sin? No, they could find nothing to say against him. Think about the devil in the desert and those temptations. Jesus, the devil fled. Think about death. Jesus lying in a grave for three days and then rising from the dead. That's the power of God. To strike down nations, to destroy enemies, to give an inheritance for his people. And Jesus was that firstborn who was struck down. So we didn't need to be. And Jesus is our inheritance. He is our Canaan. It doesn't matter what our life looks like in one sense. You can be sitting here today going through some rough stuff. That might drag on for years. Okay? Think of the, that person who's longing for something in their life. That may never be given. But if they have Jesus, they have all they could ever imagine. They have the best, don't they? So, 
couple of verses to take into the summer. I think they'll come up on the slide. 13 and 14. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Wouldn't it be good this summer to find a way of reminding yourself the Lord endures forever and he is great. He will vindicate you if you trust him. Whatever your situation, however life goes, he'll be kind and compassionate. He's that sort of God. Okay. Second point. Other gods are weak. They always fail. Let's move quickly. Look at the idols. Just take your eyes down, verse 15 to 18, and ask yourself a couple of questions. What can they do? Where did they come from? Can they speak? No. Can they see? No. Can they hear? No. Can they breathe? No. Are they alive? Do they have power? No. What's their problem? Their problem is they're invented. And if you invent a god, it cannot help you. And if you hope in that sort of god, you end up hopeless, don't you? Now, we don't have these sorts of idols these days. Um, I doubt anyone in this room has got a little statue that they bow down to or offer food to, um, which is what the nations did around Israel. And in fact, what a lot of people do around this world. But if you make something and stick it in a corner and pretend that it's a god and hope that it can help you, well, you're hopeless, aren't you? You have nothing. Verse 18 says it all. Those who make them will be like them, dumb, blind, deaf, and so will all who trust in them. So this question for us today, what about idols? What do they look like and how can I keep away from them? Well, Tim, I think, covered it earlier. When you take something and you put it up and you make it more important than it really is, that's how we embrace idolatry. Jeeb doesn't have a little statue in his corner. And if he's doubt, doubting God's goodness, well, I'll bring out the statue and I'll pray to that, does he? No? Tim's smiling. Maybe he does. Do you? No, no, of course he doesn't. We know that's foolish, don't we? You don't make something and worship it. We know that. But you know what? We take something, something good in creation, and we make it really important, and more and more important. And we give that our devotion, and we turn away from the true God. That's what idolatry looks like for us. And we can actually all do that. We can do that with our money. Okay? You may have a bank account. 
with quite a lot of money in it. But you decide to yourself, actually, if I am going to be secure, if I am going to have enough to cover all the things that might happen in my life, that pot of money needs to be a bit bigger and a bit bigger and a bit bigger. And the end of that is someone who is always worried about that money and whether they have enough. And you could double it and you'd still not have enough and you could make it ten times as much. You will never have enough. Or you could be someone who's struggling with money and you can't think about where's the next thing coming from. And, but still, you can, you can turn to that. That becomes the thing. You can do it with fitness. No, I'm not going to look at anyone here. Um, I'm thinking of myself as well. Um, you can... You know who I'm thinking of. You can take a great thing. Getting fit. Running marathons. Climbing mountains. These are all great things. God has made a world. He's made bodies to do great things. It can become a thing that is more important than anything. You can end up missing church. You can end up missing prayer. I'll tell you what it does for me sometimes. You can end up planning sort of when can I next go and do a bike ride or do a ride and putting my attention on it in a way which is unhelpful. And spend far less time on, actually, can I find ten minutes to pray for people? And will I have enough time today to read my Bible? Those, those sorts of priorities. You can do it with people. You can do it with, you can do it with anything. You can take anything and make it more important than God. And you can rely on it. And it will fail you if you depend on it, won't it? So this summer... Those nice things you enjoy doing, just have a little think. Is this a good thing and I'm celebrating and I'm enjoying it because it's, God has given me great things? Or is it becoming a thing that if I didn't have, I'd be distraught? Think about your idols this summer. Okay, we're nearly through, just as well. Look at God this summer. He is wonderful, isn't he? He is the saviour. He is the one who will take us to the end. He will destroy all our enemies. He will give us an inheritance that will outlast everything. Think about the idols. They're nothing. The things people rely on, they're nothing. They will come to nothing in the end. Make sure your heart's looking in the right place. Final slide, please. Here's some verses to finish. We haven't looked at them much. We're going to read them together. Just observe this. All of you, praise <coughs> the Lord here. This is a call for all of us. Not the keenies, not the preachers, not the small group leaders. All of us. Okay, so as we read this together... Think, how, is, how do I, this is me, I need to be like this, how can I be like this? Okay, let's read these verses together. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. All you Israelites, praise the Lord. House of Aaron, praise the Lord. House of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you.